Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by my awesome co-hosts. This is part 3B. This is uh, the second part of our third part. <laughs> Structures are interesting. Of our IF Comp coverage, and joining me this segment are Nate Heininger. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well, and uh, I feel like we might have unnecessarily complicated our titling i really these. <laughs> really did yeah and shane how are you doing shane my bro host. oh man uh i am good um i've been lost in a virtual domain uh where nothing but tetraminos exist you're, you're gonna have to expand on that for me shane. i'm glad you're okay yeah there's a there's a vr tetris out and it's real good guys <laughs> tetris in vr it's a thing now. I really want to try that, but that's probably for another episode. Yeah, we've got to make that an episode soon. I just can't wait to talk about it. That is so far away from what we're talking about today. It's 180 <laughs> degrees from what it we're really is. On this so, episode. so as I mentioned a minute ago, this is part three B. Well, this is this was originally going to be a single episode uh, along with the segment with Laura, but that ended up being over an hour and I don't know if this is gonna run that long anyway so I ended up splitting it apart I probably should have made these just uh three and four but you know that's hindsight so here we are in episode in IF comp part 3b and I'm talking to Nate and Shane about the last few games that we can sneak in before the close of the comp on November 15th and now we are a podcast that has a more complex structure than some of these IF comp games. <laughs> it's true. Sorry, guys. But uh, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Who wants to go first? What have you played? Yeah, I'll go first. I haven't been on the past couple episodes, but that doesn't mean I have not been playing these games. Uh, the first one that I want to talk about is a game that I was really, really excited to play. It's called The Origin of Madam Time by friend of the show, Math Brush. So, um, a uh, really great comp contribution to this year's uh, competition and a really, really interesting sort of setup for how this game came to be. Uh, one of the reasons I was really, really excited about it is because it is a sequel to a game from last year or sort of a sequel, I'll explain in a second, uh, to a game called The Owl Consults. Uh, that game was by Thomas Mack. Nick Mathewson and Sydney Hamilton, and I absolutely loved that game. Refresh my memory on that one because I don't think I got to play that. Yeah, so uh, that game you play as a sort of assistant to superheroes or or like mentor to superheroes. Ah, yes, and the way the game works, it's super clever, um, and, and it's still one of my favorite IF comp or just interactive fiction games that I've played. Is that you are you play as uh, the owl and superheroes while they are out in the world doing their superhero thing. When they get into a predicament, you know, any some sort of problem, they would reach out to the owl who would then help them through this through their whatever situation that they are in. By phone, which I really loved about that game. It's like a help desk. It is like a help (laughs) desk. And it's so funny because it makes it also makes sense for interactive fiction because they are asking for help and you are providing and you have to you're typing out. It's a parser game. So you're typing out like actions like try this, do this, just like someone is giving support to. Yeah, like an app support or or whatever. 
um, but you're helping superheroes get out of problems. And like there was, you know, one of the early ones is that you're a uh, like a changeling, you know, like a, someone who can metamorphose, uh, metamorphosize into animals, but they have to touch them. They're in a cage and you help them realize that there's like a octopus nearby. They touch the octopus and they, that makes it where they can squeeze through tiny bars. They're able to get out of the cage and and so on and so forth. And, and the game was just really, really clever. And it, it, it like almost recontextualizes like interactive fiction games, like parser games. It makes it where there's actually a reason why you'd be typing these things in and not just like that was all that you could do in the eighties when games were first being made. So we're still doing it now. Um, It's, it's really awesome. And so there was a, one of the prizes in the 2017 competition was offered by math brush that uh, if they chose it, he would make a game like what using that, the the other creators IP like make a sequel or make like a game of that game. I don't know what the specific rule set was. I forget how it's exactly phrased. Actually, I can maybe try and find it here in a second, but because I think he's doing the same thing again this year, which I think is great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll try and find exactly how the the prize option was phrased because it was. It's, I think it's really cool uh, to see that kind of thing happen as part of the uh as part of the comp as like a prize that somebody will make a game for you based on your thing yeah and it's it's so good that honestly it's unrecognizably not created by the creators of the alconsults yeah okay found it found it here if you look at the prize pool page on if comp i mean we've always talked about how if comp has in the past always had this uh this prize system that was very informal and was mostly about people sort of donating interesting things that might be fun for IF comp people to, to have books and software and things like that. But one of the other things that, you know, one of the sections on the prize pool page is expert services. And the top one in the list here is a short 30 ish minute game based on the author's work must be claimed within two years, details to be worked out with the winner donated by MathBrush. And this is this game is the product of that same prize option from last year, as far as I'm able to tell. I'm pretty sure that's correct. If, if I'm yeah. wrong, MathBrush, please correct us. Well, it, it, and it makes a lot more sense when you read um, like the little blurb that's on the IF Comp page for this game. It does say related to the 2017 IF Comp prize or something like that. Yeah, authorized sequel, I think it says. Yeah, so the Owl Consults is fantastic. I highly recommend you go back and play it. And then, after you play that, play this game. Um, without spoiling, spoiling, uh, spoiling <laughs> anything from the Owl Consults, there is a blimp that is uh, <laughs> chock full of superheroes and various things that is crashing. And this game takes place in that same sort of moment of the owl consults, but down on the ground level and Madam time in that moment unleashes a, a latent power that basically freezes everything in a moment in a single moment. And you know that there's a, uh, a bomb about to fall where you are. I mean, it's a good, it's a nuclear bomb. So not just where you are, but you in the surrounding areas and so what you have to do is go around this amusement park and basically rescue all of these various superheroes uh, that are all frozen in time, frozen in action. 
and it's a parser game. So you're, you know, moving from location to location to location, all really uniquely described. Um, this world is a world of really silly and fantastic, um, like superheroes, like there's a a room or a, a a fountain that's frozen over, and that's where you see Mister Winter. He is frozen, uh, not just because of the ice, but also because of time. Uh, and he's like creating arcane symbols in the air and pointing at a snack bar where uh, I think it's the Alchemist. Another superhero is has fallen over, and her bag full of potions is frozen in time, falling all over, and you as uh, Madam Time, your goal is to just basically go around, round them all up, and get them into the bomb shelter and save them before you turn time back on. <laughs> At any time, you can turn time back on and see if you've saved everyone or not. Uh, there's some really, really funny stuff, really clever. It reads and feels exactly like the Owl Consults. Um, I am terrible at parser games. I just like... I don't know. I, I just never can grab the language like you're supposed to. I find myself like not exactly understanding the verbs all the time. But this game has a good hint system. It's clever. You utilize your powers of foresight and aftersight. So mm. foresight tells you it hints at something that you should do. Doesn't give it away, but you I mean, they're, they're not they're not so obscure that you don't at least have the idea of like what room you should go to. And then after sight tells you kind of like what you have done in an area. Um, I didn't really use that one as much. So I don't fully know exactly all of its purposes, but mostly use foresight as you can expect. That's kind of tells you what to do next. Um, and I've not completed the game yet because again, I'm just like not great at parsers, but it's not really big. It's not big enough where a lot of parsers like this, you want to draw a map or something like that. So you can understand um, this whole thing takes place in a pretty small amusement park. It didn't take me very long to sort of visually or uh, mentally be able to understand what all of the different areas were and how they connected to each other. And you're mostly just running from place to place, interacting with objects or utilizing the superheroes uh, versions of their power. Like the lens warden, he has a magical lens that he can look through, but time is frozen. So you can just go and, grab his lens from him um it, it's worth playing i i really enjoy it and i it wouldn't surprise me if math brush's own like prize ends up being pretty high on the vote itself uh, it's, <laughs> yeah it's, wild it's, it's yeah it's really well executed that's really awesome i i'm so i'm so glad to see like sequels to and expansions on game concepts from previous years come back in if comp things like this and uh re dragon are really yeah i was gonna say that the dragon uh will tell you your future now uh and re dragon uh that that's a in in one sense like we're starting I'm starting to notice more of the like meta stuff uh, of this contest because we've been covering it for a few years. So it's probably just that they've probably d heavily gone meta uh, throughout its history. Uh, but, you know, it, it is kind of nice to be uh, to feel like you're in dialogue with uh, the writers uh, in that way. And you're you're seeing We're sort of them in respond to each other. And yeah, absolutely. that's one of the nice things about coming back to IF comp every year. Yeah. Well, as a 
a bit related to to the games that you were talking about, Nate. Um, so you were talking about with uh, with specifically the Owl Consults, how it kind of recontextualizes the parser as this, uh, as, you know, as, as this phone call, basically. Um, a game that I played for the comp this year that also kind of recontextualizes the parser in a really interesting way is a game called Terminal Interface for Models RCM301 to 303 by Vigimech Corporation. And it's credited as such, uh, although if you dig into the game, uh, lead design and programming is by Victor Gijbert's Apologies in advance, Victor, if I mangled your name. So this game has really got a really good idea behind it, which is that this is a game about controlling a mech. First of all, I'm all for it, right? I'm 100% in on a game about controlling a giant robot, A+. And the premise is that your, your mech has been damaged, and so you have to control it through its command line terminal interface which is another very good idea for presenting a mech game in interactive fiction. That's a great idea. Yeah, I love that conceit. Um, the game didn't 100% work for me, and I'll kind of explain why. Uh, it's got some really good ideas and really good execution, and then there's some things about it that made it kind of difficult for me to really properly enjoy, and so I ended up kind of falling off of it about halfway through. So, um, But I do think it's definitely worth exploring, um, because probably other folks will feel differently about some of that stuff and and be more engaged with it than I was. So I, I do want to start by telling you everything about it that I think is great and brilliant. Uh, and so the, first of all, when you boot it up, it starts with a menu interface, which you don't actually see that often in parser games. This is a parser game. It's built in inform. You can run it in an interpreter like uh, Electrode or Gargoyle or frauds, etc. Um, but it starts with a menu screen where you can kind of go through and see the menu screen information about your mech. And uh, then you can enter its control interface. And uh, you're constantly in the game getting an, getting error messages about not being able to get any visual information. So your mech is blind. But you are accompanied by an NPC whose name is escaping me at the moment. Sorry, I thought I had it here, but I don't have his name. But anyway, you're accompanied by this NPC throughout the entire game who is, I think, also in the mech with you, but can see out. It's a little unclear to me exactly where he is for some of this. Um, But he's giving sort of a running commentary and trying to describe the scene around you so that you can interact with the world, even though you can't see it. So you can give your mech commands, basic stuff like, go north, uh, or, you know, north, south, east, west, also things like, um, you know, pick up crate, that kind of thing. One of the things I think is interesting here that we're seeing in not a few games is recontextualizing the parser uh, as you as the player, uh, as the player character giving instructions to someone else. Exactly, So, yeah. So, you know, we're, you're giving instructions with the to owl consults, the it's the same thing. Um, you know, and I, I think that's kind of, that's kind of interesting as a way to put you more in character, mm-hmm. uh, in character as the, as the player character, rather than as an omniscient controller of the player character. Yeah. You're actually in the game. The choices that you're making is you not. Can you think of any just, other games than, than this and, and the owl that have done that? I mean, I definitely played parser games that sort of play with that context but i'm not on the spot i'm having a hard time thinking of good examples but i I do feel like it's a it's a 
it's a great way to bring that parser to to more. I mean, I don't necessarily think it necessarily makes the audience broader, uh, but it does at least sort of take away some of the abstraction that might be off-putting to people. If you're if you don't like parser games, maybe it helps if that parser it feels. I don't know if diegetic is it the right word. It also kind but. of blends away uh, some of the oddity of a of a parser because you know it's it makes more sense that you would have to speak in a uh, odd way to a to a mech that you're controlling from a command line. Uh, exactly. Then. Just having that sort of we, we talked last year a lot about you know, limited parsers, games with uh, with a sort of a limited verb set and how that sometimes makes, uh, you know, approaching a game through a parser easier. Something like uh, the wizard sniffer where your verb set is limited down to pretty much walking and sniffing. And that's, it's a little different than that, than, than like something like the owl consults or like, uh, um, like terminal interface here. But it's, it's at least kind of taking the parser and doing a different take on it than the sort of theoretical, you know, 80s idea of let's have a parser that can understand any potential words and phrases you might throw at it and kind of acknowledges that like that's not really feasible. But if we if we give the parser some context uh, or even just sort of tell you what your limits are within that parser, yeah. then you have an easier time using it to get around. Well, yeah. and it's it's just and I'm speaking personally here, but I think it's part of why we're seeing these limited verb things. It's just kind of it's not fun to just sit there and be like, look at door. And it's like, I don't see a door. You're like, look at door way. You know, it's like, oh, you see, <laughs> you see yeah. a da, 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 you know? And it's like, it's just really frustrating to, to know what you want to do and just not know how to do it. And yeah. it's not even like a, how, like a puzzle. It's just like, I literally can't, I don't know what you want me to type, but I know what I want to do. Yeah, and and to their credit, like I have not had that experience once with the parser games I played this year. Although actually, come to think of it, I, I think I've played fewer parser games this year than I did last or maybe the year before as well. Um, might just have been sort of random chance of how I was picking them. But also, I think maybe we'll talk about this later. There's a lot more styles of choice-based games than mm-hmm. there have been in in some years past, like a lot of diversity with the choice based games. So maybe that's just letting folks sort of try new approaches, and maybe there's less uh, less parser stuff because of that. Yeah, I mean, I I ran into it a little bit even with um, uh, the origin of Madame Time, mm. like having a difficult understanding exactly what I was supposed to write. But I, I also, as I said when I was talking about that game, I'm just not really good at parsers, I think. So they're, they're additionally frustrating to me. Tough. Um, and because when I had Molly next to me and she was like, no, you just type this. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) So, you know, that doesn't say that. Yeah. Why? why, You should have told me that I, that's what I have to say, you know, but (laughs) I'm not going to go down that again, but like, so I can see why, you know, they are getting more and more trimmed down or, or adding more context and trying to make them more, um, yeah, trying to make them more fun and more like, why are you doing this? So all of that said, the things about the uh, the terminal interface for models RCM301 to 303 by VGMech Corporation, um, where it kind of fell down for me. And like I said, I think other folks might have might approach this game differently and enjoy it more than I did, because um, I, I definitely think it's well constructed and well done. Um, first of all, it's it's constant 
chit-chat with the NPC. And because the NPC is your only window into the world around you, you have to rely on his descriptions for, for telling what you need to do and how you can possibly do it. And some of that is some of the charm of the game. For example, like having a kind of an unreliable narrator built into your parser is an interesting idea. For example, like when you first get out of the first room, um, he's, he's talking you through everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to try and read this bit to you because I thought it was very funny, but also I think it'll give you a sense of one of the struggles I had with the game. Uh, we're in a narrow hallway, boss. Well, not that narrow. Bigger than the one back at my flat, to be honest. Not that that's too hard, mind you. I can't really hardly call the place spacious or anything, though God knows I pay Mrs. Hughes en- uh, enough every month, especially given the state of the plumbing. You wouldn't believe the noises it makes at night. A bit like... But more menace, you know? Hard to sleep when your own shit's gurgling threats in your ear, let me tell you. Anyway, this hallway. It's sort of wide, but also a bit narrow for the mech? Is what I'm saying? The door is to the south, and the hallway itself bends to the left, so that would be northeast, I guess. No signs of the explosion here, so I'm starting to like our like the odds of the girl still breathing. As for stuff, uh, only thing here is one of those disposable overalls, but it won't fit the mech. And then, you know, first of all, I have to scan through that and tell... Okay, my exit is to the northeast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that that's literally the thing that killed this game for me. Like, first of all, that's funny. That's good text. That's a good NPC. Yeah, that's good. But I had to scan through all of that text in order to tell that my exit was to the northeast. And okay. Like, what would do it for you if they just took northeast and put it in bold would that do it for you well they put some things in bold they put the word disposable overalls in bold but you can't do anything with the disposable overalls (laughs) that i could tell that's like uh, it's like borderlands the interactive fiction game you know kind of yeah (laughs) but okay so here's the other bit that's very so and the game was obviously aware that this was a challenge it was throwing at its players this is very intentional um because for example you read that that text and then i typed in ne enter and it says Error. GPS indicates movement did not happen. And the NPC says, ouch, holy bejesus, doesn't that thing know it shouldn't walk into walls? Anyway, make that northwest, boss, not northeast. Guess compass directions ain't exactly my cup of tea. You moron. And, <laughs> I, and like, okay, so this is the very first moment of the game. And first of all, that is very funny. Very funny bit. Um, but the problem is it also indicates a kind of a problem that I ran into constantly with the game, which was like, it never... <sighs> I don't want to say never because I didn't get far enough to say never, but um, it it became extremely tiring for me to read this uh, this NPC character's dialogue and try to ferret out what I was supposed to be doing. And maybe this is just because my way of playing parser games is like, I like to build a mental map. I like to try things fast. I like to, you know, wander all over the place, Northeast, Northwest, Northeast, Northwest. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a kind of a fast mover on this stuff. And I could not do that with this because of the way that it's structured. It's a very clever structure. It didn't work for me personally. I think it would definitely appeal to people that are able to maybe um, parse this guy's way of speaking out a little better. <laughs> um, so I definitely recommend checking the game out. But I did not finish it. Um, uh, so I probably won't put a number on it in the comp just because I, I don't feel like I'm quite the right person to decide whether this is a good game or not it's got some very clever ideas as we talked about with the with the like recontextualization of the of the uh of the parser as a terminal interface for your mech that's great and the and the npc character is funny it's it just it just it just 
was a bit that was taken maybe a little bit too far or made itself kind of kind of hard to play in my opinion um yeah makes sense i I don't know if i would like i already have a hard time as i've already discussed like understanding what i'm supposed to be doing in a (laughs) uh in a parser and if everything is obscured under all of that and and i mean like there's there's other parts of it too like you you are um most of the objects in the game are uh like some of the objects you know he describes it to you and you can do stuff with it other stuff uh, if your mech doesn't recognize it, uh, then he has to tag objects or locations for you. So, like, if your mech doesn't recognize that this crate is a crate, he has to tag it, and then you can pick it up. Um, or if you want you to put it in the corner, he has to tag the corner so that your blind mech knows where the corner is, um, which is an interesting concept, but I, f- I was confused by it a couple of times. And then there's other points where there's objects in the game that he doesn't know what to call them. And so you just have to refer to them by like, for example, he said, oh, in the other uh, other corner of the room, there's uh, one of those uh, thingamajigs, uh, you know, the thing like uh, like for a car, but like but like bigger, like to fit a mech. And I'm like, what? Like a thing for a car? What is that? And so I was like, pick up thingamajig. And it's like, you that's not a thing that can be picked up. No, no, you have to get in the thingamajig. The thingamajig was a car wash, but for Max. <laughs> you have to, like, play within his ability to, sc- to describe the scenario to you, which is, a, again, a very clever idea that I think was actually pretty well executed. It just it just was a little bit too much of a barrier for me in the way that I play these sorts of games. So, um, I again, totally recommend this game. Give it a try. And it's it, you may bounce off it like I did, but if you don't, I think it's going to be an amazing game. That's a, I mean, the concept is really good. I I started it from scratch twice. I played it once once on my iPad. I got to about and once again on my computer. I got to about the same point both times. Eh, I, I it, it's just it's just not for me. But anyway, um, so while we're talking about uh, you know games that kind of take a bit of a different approach, uh, I played a uh, a piece called. Polish the Glass. Uh, hang on, I have the author's name here. Kelty Wright. Hope I'm saying that right, Kelty. Um, this was a really uh, unusual one for me. I, I have played a lot of different things at, over the years in the comp. Um, and uh, so it's not unusual in terms of the subject matter. We've seen a lot of horror in the comp. And I think that just has to do with the fact that uh, the comp falls in October and people have uh, spookiness on the brain. Um, this, well, uh, before I get into the form of it, let me give you an idea of just sort of what it's all about. Uh, so Polish the Glass is a novella or novelette style uh, piece of writing uh, about a child and her parents and kind of growing up in and around this bar uh, where people go missing. And um, not in the ways that you would think, it says. So it's it's sort of a eerie, spooky, uh, sort of, you know, very atmospheric uh, piece of writing. The actual structure and, and way it comes across on the page uh, in some ways kind of reminded me of uh, House of Leaves uh, by uh, Mark Danielewski. Uh, I don't know if you ever read that, but there's, there's a, a convention in that where uh, the word house always appears in blue. And in here, the word glass always appears in gray. And there's other similarities as well. Things like, uh, you know, pages that contain only a few lines of text or where the words are mirrored or 
uh, are arranged in uh, strange ways on the page. And all of that goes towards creating this um, kind of otherworldly, eerie feeling. And, um, you know, I thought that was really, uh, you know, that it was very atmospheric. And I really liked that about it. The kind of theme of it, this sort of uh, theme of glass kind of comes up over and over again. And, and, and it's explored in some different ways that I thought were interesting. You know, there's, uh, the the mother in the story has this sort of preoccupation or obsession with polishing the glass in this bar to the exclusion of you know the other important things in her life, um, you know, and the things are always spotless. Uh, and the different kind of things that glass can do are are kind of explored a little bit. You can you know the the glass shines and the glass uh, reflects, uh, but the glass also cuts and. So all in all, I, you know, I, I thought it was uh, very moody and atmospheric. But of all the things that I've played for IF Comp, I would say this is the least uh, interactive. It has really a single path through the story. And, you know, it plays with sort of the, the, the structure of the text in that you're, you know, you're tapping or clicking on um, strings of text and it'll uh, take you into new paragraphs or things like that. But they're really feels, you know, unless I missed something, it definitely is one single path uh, through this. It says right in the description that there's one ending. Um, and I really pretty sure there's only a single path through uh, through this, which, you know, we're not, we're, we're big tent when it comes to games uh, on this show. So I'm not going to try and debate whether or not something that really with, with a, with a, a uh, with, with a couple of possible exceptions, didn't really seem like it had uh, much or any choice uh, to it. Uh, but I, I thought it was kind of interesting uh, as a uh, kind of a departure from what a, a lot of what we see uh, in IF Comp. Um, so yeah, I, I honestly I liked the writing. Um, it kind of pulls you along. Uh, it has very good use of sound, uh, where you can so if you if you're using it, put your headphones on and uh, play it in a dark room uh, where you can. Uh, so I would I would say I, I definitely enjoyed it. I like seeing horror fiction in the comp because it's I think interactive fiction is like really good at horror. I'm not always turned off by things that have like a limited amount of interactivity. Sometimes there there is something there is some benefit in the sort of additional level of like control over the presentation that something like Twine gives you, even if you're mostly just clicking through text to you know read sequential text you know things like twine give you control over the 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 color and presentation of the text in a way you probably don't get in other formats you can present text in a you control the pace in a way that you can't really control it in like just a you know text on a page and obviously things like sound so like i think there's there's definitely merit in like using these interactive fiction tools like twine and other things like it for less choice-based work yeah, and that act, that aspect does work particularly well with horror, I guess, as you're saying. Yeah, um, because you can create this, um, you know, when, when you have control over the reader's movement through your story, um, and the the reader every few seconds has to actively choose to get the next paragraph. If you can really inspire dread in your reader, like you're you're giving them uh, a, a moment of like pure dread every time they click. Uh, essentially next to get that next little drip. Uh, so that, that part is, is really neat. Yeah. Um, on Twitter, uh, Hannon on, I never know 
people's name pronunciation. So apologies, uh, Hanan Andrisek or Andrisek, um, who's done, been in the comp before. Um, he had a thread of, of game recommendations and he recommended this game saying that it reminded, it was structured a bit like my father's long, long legs. Did you guys ever play that? No, no, but there happened so. to be some, some long parental legs in this as well. Oh man. Um, <laughs> just as a, as a, like a, Interactive fiction recommendation. If you like horror interactive fiction, um, My Father's Long Long Legs is a real spooky game, and I, it's another one where, like, I it's been a while since I played it. I don't think there's almost any um, choices to make in that game. It's pretty linear, but it's a really spooky presentation that leads up to a really haunting image at the end. That just very very effective. And I, I clicking through a little bit of Polished Glass. I feel like it definitely, I mean, I don't know if that's a specific inspiration here, but it definitely kind of has the same vibe a little bit. I should, I should go and check that out. You know, I mean, I, I guess we're out of uh, October, so uh, I can put my spooky things aside for the, uh, for the next 12 months. But no, no, no. Uh, Halloween lasts until Thanksgiving. That's my policy. And then uh, that's a good point. And then Thanksgiving lasts until just before Christmas. And then Christmas lasts all year in your heart. <laughs> That's a, that sounds about right. What's, so, what's our next game? <laughs> <laughs> that was heartwarming. So next, I'm actually going to run through uh, a a series of games that I played. I actively searched for uh, games that had the um, sort of time limit. As you know, they'd have the little blurb that tells you the expected time. I was looking for just as many of those really short ones. 15 minutes or less or 30 minutes or less uh, just to experience as many different games as I could. So I'm going to run through some of them um, right now. Uh, The first one that I played was a game called Campfire Tales. It's by Matthew DeLine. Uh, It's sort of like, so it's almost like a Mad Libs for Campfire Tales. You know, the kind of things that you would tell like, uh, you know, in a nearby park, a park not much unlike this park that we're in now. There was a house with a a man, and you could hear him crying. You know those like really mm-hmm. dumb stories that you tell around a campfire. And when this they game, pulled her out of the burning wreck, her face looked like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, there was a hook stuck in the door. You know those things. It's that, but it's procedurally generated, and there's constant little opportunities to put in whatever name you want. That's fun. And it basically creates these little campfire stories with the names that you want. And every time you run it, it's a little different. And some of them make sense. Some of them don't. I think the like generation of it shows sometimes, but it's fun. It has a little sound effect. You know, it's like campfire sound going in the background and it's just kind of silly and it was uh, you know i think i did like three or four different sort of runs through it um i could see it being fun to just have you know be sitting with people like you would with a campfire tale and, and and do it and do exactly that like read it ask the group for a name you know it'll be like what's a name it'll say not your name and then it'll be like What's the name of someone you don't like? You know, so, so then that name becomes like the villain or something bad happens to him. Uh, just kind of how I play Oregon Trail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
So it was fun. I, you know, it's not really, it's not really what you usually look for in these sorts of things. It's not going to, it's not a, a moving experience or like a innovative, um, I don't know, silly experience or whatever, but it was fun. And I, I think it's, it was cool. And I'm glad that, uh, Matthew made it, uh, the next one that I played was uh, actually a game that Reagan talked about on a previous episode, uh, but I played it as well. Sounded intriguing. It's called They Will Not Return. Hmm. Yes, I talked about that one on part two of our, our coverage. I really liked it. Yeah, so I won't, you know, if you've already listened to that episode, I won't go too much more into it. I'm assuming you've listened to episode two before listening to episode three B or whatever we're calling this one. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll just say, I really, really enjoyed it. it. It made me think of like Wally, but before all this stuff that the, like the fun part of Wally that we saw <laughs> the bad you know, like, part of Wally. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, the, the like month and a half or however long it is where Wally thinks, you know, that it's still doing its job purposefully. Um, and also, it was pointed out to me by Molly that there's a Ray Bradbury story, short story called, um, it's called There Will Come Soft Rains. Oh, you know, this had a very Ray Bradbury kind of feel to it. Yeah. But I don't yeah. think I've read There Will Come Soft Rains. I haven't either, but apparently it's about a, a smart house that continues being a smart house well past its occupants being there. Hmm. Um, and so that sounds really interesting. And and I, I love this sort of sci-fi, you know, post-apocalyptic um, sort of thing. And I, and I thought it was really cool. That was really clever. I played it all the way through the end, which I, uh, I really enjoyed the choices that you get to make. Um, I just really enjoyed it. So I know Reagan, you recommended it. I recommend it as well. It was one of the um, more interesting and complete pieces. I think that I played this year. Uh, the next game that I played is called, smooch dot click um <laughs> which uh was by devin gwynn and it's rapid fire very short and it's basically supposed to recreate the feelings of having your first kiss or having the first kiss with a partner and it was nice it's fun it's real quick you pick you know, are you going to be kissing he, her, or them, slash they? And, uh, which is always nice. You pick, I, I don't know how many options or how many iterations there are of what the scenario is. But every time I did it, it was a different sort of bite-sized situation. You know, you're at a party with someone, uh, you're sitting on a couch together, you're, um, I don't know, like at a movie or or just all these different scenarios where you might have your first kiss. And it was nice. It's really short. This already thing. sounds more stressful than any of the games I've played. <laughs> <laughs> well, to add to the to that stress, the one thing that stood out to me that I did think was clever is it's basically a little like parts. It's like part one, part two, part three. And it's all short sentences. And it's like where you are and how you're feeling and you get to select how you're feeling or what it is that you do, but it's rotating. It's constantly switching. So it's like you are feeling and then it'll be like really excited. And that sits there for a second. Then it swaps out to bloated and stressed. And then that swaps <laughs> out 
to like sweaty, you know, and you watch all three of them go by and it does add just a little bit of a frantic energy to it. Um, you, you know, you, you see the different options and they're usually kind of funny and pretty true as to what you might be feeling at that time. And you have to pick which one you want. It affects like the next part and the next part and the next part. And it always ends, or at least the ones that I had in a kiss and then it's done and you just start it over. Um, it was nice. You know, it's not the most like innovative or whatever, but it's a good little game. Uh, you know, uh, if it sounds interesting to you, I'd, I'd check it out. I played through this a little bit myself too. And, and I, you're absolutely right about the sort of a little bit additional level of sort of, I, I guess what it's trying to convey or simulate or something here with that, that, that sort of rotating options rather than giving you a menu of three or four or however many choices to make uh, in any given moment, it, it shows you one line and, and changes it every second or so. And they rotate around and I, I think it's trying to convey that sort of like there's with any first kiss, there's like the the real challenge is knowing if it's the right time. Is it is it the right yeah. moment? And uh, and wanting to wanting to do that at the right moment and not wreck things, you know, and that's I think what they were trying to convey here. And I, it's it's I think a really nicely conveyed bit. And it helps, I think, that this is so short. Like, I don't know how many versions of this game there are. Like, it seems like each time you play, it's got a different scenario. And I don't know how many scenarios they are. I played, thing, I think, like two or three. Um, I think there are more than that. Um, but it's uh, it's it's nice. I will say that it's got, um, it's using some, something about the way that it's implementing Twine here does not work on iOS, or it didn't work for me. I played it on a computer, and it worked perfectly fine on iOS, um, some of the things I couldn't tap on them for some reason, and it, they do say not optimized for mobile in the description. So keep that in mind with this one. But it's neat. Yeah, I always have to watch out for that. It's, uh, you know, I, I tend to play IF on my iPad for these things because it's just so nice to do that. Um, and I, I wish more of these devs would uh, be sure to test things on iOS in Safari and just just let me know if it's not going to work because I have run into I've run into games I tried to put time into and it was not clear up front that they were not going to work. Yeah, it's it's nice to know in advance, like having this say right up front, not optimized for mobile. Like I still tried it on my iPad because I'm, you know, stubborn and I did uh, run into some issues um, playing it on a computer. Very nice. Yeah, I I had um, with Campfire Campfire Tales. It was a little difficult on iOS, and it kept asking for access to my microphone, and I don't know why. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, what? Really? You're trying to hear game? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Within Safari, it kept asking for access to my microphone, but it would say "Campfire Tales wants access to your microphone." <laughs> I was like, "That's super weird." <laughs> Who are you, and what do you want? <laughs> That's wild. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know whatever um so the the last game that i'll talk about uh is a game called awake by sohem sevak and this is a game that it, it says right up front that it's part one of many and so you're just playing the first part of this game and kind of at the end it's like hey I, i'm gonna do more and i want to do more so thanks for playing which is cool um it's a sci-fi e game where you're playing as a scientist and you you learn that you've been working on uh you know 
AI things. Everything's gone wrong, and now you have to deal with it. And I did enjoy it. It was pretty fast-paced. I enjoyed some of the decisions that you have to make. They, I don't know if they affect the story pretty dramatically. They certainly feel like they do, um, whether you're choosing to engage in a fight, choosing to escape, choosing to maybe like shoot someone or not like those feel like really heavy decisions. I don't know what the actual background like tree is, whether how the story would move. Um, I, I did like it, but the writing was pretty crisp. I wish that it was just the full game instead of releasing like one chapter into this. Um, I, I do think they put it out there just to get feedback and like get more, but it's, pretty short and i felt like i just is like kind of like watching an epilogue to something and then be like okay cool i hope hope someday i get to play the rest of this i think it might have been a, a stronger move to just wait until you had more and put it out as a full game rather than just like chapter one but a lot of different things do the sort of staggered release and have success with it so i'll be keeping an eye out for the next versions of it but I think it, I would have played. I would have kept playing if it was there, and it was a little disappointing that it stopped so fast. Always leave him wanting more. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, but you know, with uh, with like the this is the time to get IF comp, you know, interactive fiction in front of people. It's going to be hard to find it. Like when this author puts out the next chapters, it's going to be harder for for me to find it. You yeah, know, what if it's in the next year's comp? Yeah, that would be great. I would love that if yeah. if it was next year. It was you know, five chapters or whatever, you know, they want to do. That'd be great. I, I would certainly play it. Um, Author so, hitting it up. So this wasn't, <laughs> this isn't like a criticism of the game. Cause I thought it was fun. I was just like, Oh, it really is only this part, you know, and it's pretty fast paced. So it does feel sort of just like a, the opening. Um, so I'll be looking out for more from this, uh, from this author. And I do recommend that you try it probably won't place very high on any sort of like I have comp results. Cause it's not really much. There's not, it's not like complete yet, but I enjoyed it. It's, you know, it's good that they're getting things like that out in front of people so they can get some, uh, some feedback. And that's, you know, that's really what, what a lot of the value is in IF comp is like release something in front of an audience of people who are excited to play IF and yeah. get some attention for your thing and, you know, get some feedback and hopefully use that for more, uh, more yeah. advanced stuff later. Um, the, the last game I'm going to talk about, um, and then we're going to wrap up a little bit, uh, is uh, Urz by Christopher Hayes and Daniel Talski of Rabbit Rabbit. I think they're, they're, uh, their company or, or group or whatever they belong to. Um, this is easily the most visually interesting game that I've played in IF Comp this year. Um, it's gorgeously illustrated. And I mean, I think they know it. If you look at the description of the game, uh, they call it, uh, a lushly illustrated adventure about rabbits inspired by Watership Down, City of Ember, Skyrim, Caves of Kood, uh, Super Mario Brothers, and Apocalypse Now. And uh, I can't say I see the effects of all of those inspirations, uh, but it's a really interesting visual game, uh, and the illustrations are fantastic. Um, it's a choice-based game where you're playing as a rabbit that lives in a warren of other rabbits that's underground and... Um, these rabbits seem, uh, maybe more intelligent than your average rabbits, but it's very watership downy. Um, it starts off with a bunch of rabbits worried that their caves are collapsing because of the thud and the thud 
is a recurring phenomenon where something is thudding above them and causing their caves to collapse. Um, whenever it says the word thud, it uses this different font that visually pulsates with a thud. I mean, it's really cool visually. They've done amazing work with their um, uh, illustrations are great, but also their text work in this uh, is very like custom and well done. Um, so like custom stuff like the visually animated thud whenever they refer to the thud um, or the uh, whenever the dialogue is presented, certain characters that I won't explain too much about have really cool looking text that kind of visually pulses with color and subtly uh, moves back and forth on its axis. Like there's, there's really interesting animation going on just with the text on top of the fact that this game has illustrations of the rabbits Warren and the world outside the Warren that are like day glow outrun, like super wild looking, like really cool. Um, So like good just from a artistic standpoint, but their use of color here is like very weird, very sort of day glow and very like otherworldly, which is definitely the point because this is a game, not just about rabbits living in a cave, but you are a hero rabbit who has decided to try to explore the world outside the Warren in order to stop the thud. And I won't spoil too much of the later part of the game, um, but uh, it's uh, it's about exploring the world outside the Warren, which is not what you would expect. And uh, you're meeting the Ur rabbits. There are legends of the Ur rabbits that are that predate your rabbit kind, and you have to go in search of them. So it's a cool setup. I like the uh, I like the art very much, and there is a illustration on literally every page. Like I have seen choice-based games that have a lot of illustrations, but this is almost an order of magnitude more than most other choice-based games. Every single page, and you you know when you're navigating through the Warren, there's different rooms. Uh, when you exit the Warren, there's different sort of areas, buildings and things that you visit. And every one of them has an illustration. Every character that you speak with has an illustration. Sometimes there are multiple illustrations to show different events occurring in the rooms. Or even there are sort of machines and other things that you interact with that have different states. And those are all illustrated so that you can see, you know, if I do this, this part of the machine turns green and that happens on the illustration. So like lots of art, which is really impressive. I don't think that the story and like structure of this was doing anything that really impressed me, but it kept me engaged throughout with the visuals. And so that's definitely saying something. Um, So if you uh, like rabbits, I would definitely check this out. I have no idea in what ways this was inspired by Super Mario Brothers or, you know, Skyrim. No idea. But I definitely recommend checking this out just for its visuals, which are great. Um, so, is your yeah. ultimate recommendation if you like rabbits, check this game out? I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you like, if you like cool, very like, um, uh, like I think almost any illustration from this game would have been right at home on like a T-shirt, and that T-shirt would have had glow in the dark ink. So. If that tells you anything about the way that this game looks and if that yes. if that aesthetic appeals to you, check this game out. Visually, this game is awesome. Cool. Yeah, I like to see um, we, we talk a lot about mechanics and we talk a lot about, you know, the language that they use and visuals are often a part of it, but not as 
it's rarely the focus of these games. Yeah. And, you know, interactive fiction makes sense. But, like, yeah, it is it interesting to see uh, somebody take so much care with the art in what's, you know, uh, nominally a text-based game. Yeah. Well, we've talked about, too, with the um, the recent uh, Mike Bithel games, mm-hmm. the Bithel games games, uh, where they have taken the time, because those are basically interactive fiction games as well, but they've taken the time to create these, like, 3D rendered computer graphic um UIs and backgrounds and, and, yeah, and the characters, characters and scenes and, and characters and scenes. And it does add an element to the game. I mean, it, it starts to move it beyond what we're used to with interactive fiction. So yeah. when you, when you think of, you know, a lot of times we talk about some of our favorite games are the games that the creators took care to do everything within that medium, right? The, the game was fun the story was good. The sound was great. The visuals were great. Like, did they do everything? And I do think probably long-term for interactive fiction, the writing is always going to be the focus because it's, I mean, it's fiction that's in the name, but the games that can take it to that next level and have interesting sound, have interesting uh, graphics, have interesting language and an interesting story will probably be the ones that are most likely to move outside of the interactive fiction sort of scene and become bigger, similar to like 80 days, which is also, you know, Mm. essentially an interactive fiction game, but it's one of the best selling iOS games. And I think it's not just because it's written really well, but it's a complete package. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that pretty much does it for our coverage of if comp 2018 now that's not to say that there aren't awesome games that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about i'm afraid that you know with 77 or 78 games in the comp this year uh there was just no chance that we would be able to talk about all of them that's never really our our intent we do our best to cover as much as we can and you know hope that we catch all the coolest stuff but we probably miss some really awesome stuff So we're always still interested in hearing from you listeners. If you uh, think there's something really cool that we missed out on this year, uh, we want to hear about it because we want to play it. Maybe we could squeeze it in before we have to put in our votes at the last minute, which is what I always do. And um, that's pretty much going to be it for IF Comp 2018. But we'll be back after the close of the competition uh, to talk about what won and what placed how. We usually sort of do a last episode um, maybe in a couple of weeks to kind of wrap up the comp and talk about our impressions and uh, where things placed and what won the golden banana of discord and all that play games and then go vote yep do it be a voter yeah so um (laughs) and thank you guys for listening to the short game i know that with if comp we sometimes get a different crowd listening to the show and we always appreciate you guys checking out the show uh if you stick around let us know what you think uh reach out to us on twitter at underscore short game and let us know if there's things that you think we uh you know we should be covering uh maybe outside of if uh or uh let us know if there's things you think we could be doing better we're in the process of kind of retooling so if you think there's something we should be trying that we aren't let us know Uh, Also, you can find us on the web at www.theshortgame.net. That's an easy place to go and search our show notes page, which if you're interested in a particular game, if it's short and it's come out over the last, say, five years, there's a better than average chance that we've already covered it in depth. So go back and search our page. And hey, if you don't find what you're looking for, let us know. We want to know what 
games, what short games people are interested in uh, so that we can talk about them on the show. And there's a contact form there, which is a great way to get in touch with us. We've been getting some really lovely emails from folks via the contact form at theshortgame.net. So uh, if you have anything to say that won't fit into a tweet, uh, put it in there. And we're we're always super excited to get those emails. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at 8 Shane. And Nate, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at NateSTL. And before we wrap up, uh, I get to do my favorite thing, which is read one a, a recent five-star review we got of our show on iTunes. Uh, we, we super appreciate it. And I like to shout out the people who write them on the show. Uh, this one, I am going to read it. Um, I don't. I, I promise I do not know who wrote this. It may very well be someone that I know, but I've not been able to track it down. Uh, and if it's <laughs> someone that I don't know, and they're just trying to like make it where it's funny that <laughs> they're I just trying to make it show. weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good job, because here we go. So this one is written by Dude. Everything else was taken. It's five stars. It says, "I love Nate." Ten ten. Would Nate? heart emoji Nate out of 10 heart emoji so thank you frankly I'm flattered um, and listeners and the, that's five stars that's five stars the Nate, more you are a five star podcast yeah thank you the more so, you want to put heart. me in the reviews I'll read it do it yes Love I it. think yeah I think this is it's worth mentioning here I mean it's pretty clear at this point if you give us five stars in a review Nate, will read it aloud. I'll read whatever. Regardless so, of what you write. Whatever you be, write. You <laughs> if know, it gets past know. whatever censorship Apple does on their review pages. Yep. Get it past Apple and I will read it on the show. Yeah. So. We really do appreciate iTunes reviews. They are the best way to support the show. As you've probably noticed, we don't do a Patreon. We don't run ads. Those aren't sort of things we're we're like, you know, the, this show costs me practically nothing to run. So we, we do this out of love. And uh, if you want to support us, uh, the very best way to do that is to tell friends about the show, to spread the word, and also to leave us a review on iTunes, which uh, apparently does good things for us somehow. Um, so thank you very much to everything else was taken for their lovely <laughs> review i agree nate is nate out of nate stars yep yep and uh we will see you next time on another episode of the short game